is Wendy, and I am the community outreach pastor here at CTK, which means I don't preach very often because my main work is around helping you put your faith in action to build our God's kingdom here in Whatcom County. My days are spent with our community partners or down at the overflow shelter for men experiencing homelessness or finding ways for your collective generosity to bless those who experience the local flood. But if I may, I'd actually like to start today with checking in on all of you. So if you're in the room, if you could get your thumbometer out, I'd really actually like to see it. And if you're online, let's use the chat. You know the emojis. All right, I'm just asking, how are you today? Really, actually. I'm tilting sideways, I'm not gonna lie to you. All right, now let's do a little hand raising. Is there anybody else here in the room or online, just anybody at all had their plans change in the last three, four weeks? I can't be the only one, right? Big plans, dinner plans, school plans, work plans, all the plans, right? Is there anybody else who's gotten to enjoy having their schedule wiped clean by a good COVID quarantine? Love that. I was up to something and then I was not, right? I'm not gonna bore you with the details of all of mine, but I will say that my problem-solving muscle is tired. And I'm not even thinking in terms of plan B anymore because pretty regularly I get to plan F these days. You know what I'm saying? It's one thing after another. And our ministry here at CTK is no exception. This weekend, the plan was for Brian Brairns to preach. And then his family got COVID. So they're at home with two little smalls, not sleeping and coughing a whole bunch, running fevers and the whole thing. They're doing all right, but we would appreciate your prayers for them. So instead of preparing a message on finding joy in surrender, Brian got to practice <laughs> surrendering all the plans and all the things and even a good night's sleep as Jesus takes the Barron's family through this. So that means that you get me with a whopping three days of prep time and my own post-COVID fuzzy brain. I'm on day 12 and up and running. Uh, but I have to say, when I got the call Wednesday, I thought... Do I want to preach? Hmm. Would I like to see the nose I've been blowing for two weeks up on a giant screen? Not so much. Would I like to get out of my pajamas for the first time since MLK Day? Not really. But then God began to speak, and he said something like, do you really want to miss out, Wendy, on what I'm going to be doing? Because I'm up to something. This didn't surprise me. And you can come or you can stay home, but I'm going to be busy. So I thought, well, shoot, I don't want to miss out. So I have to tell you, I have a piece about this in spite of all that I wish would have happened <laughs> in terms of preparation. Because here's what I know for a fact. Each time that we gather to worship, no matter who's up here on the platform, God shows up. God shows up. And I'm also pretty clear he wants to talk about forgiveness today, which is one of the distinctives of the people of God. It's one of the things that sets us apart and shows that we are operating not out of our own strength, but out of his. So let's get going. We just witnessed the powerful symbolism of baptism. I'm glad I didn't wear any makeup because I cry every time, every time. <laughs> it's a beautiful representation physically of a spiritual reality. I want you to think back to your own baptism. Do you remember what it felt like to declare that you had heard Jesus call to repent and you had turned from your old life and answered that call? 
Do you remember what it was like for God to raise you to new life in Christ? Do you remember the first yes and all the yeses since then to following Jesus and learning to walk in his ways? I want to make sure we soak up the significance of that, not just for the four this morning, but for us. So as I read from Colossians 3, would you let the Holy Spirit bring those words to life and remind you how this truth applies to you? It says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge into the image of its creator. Here, there is no Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, slave or free, Scythian, barbarian, but Christ is all and Christ is in all. Therefore, as God's people, holy, chosen, dearly loved, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness. I can't think of anything that comes less naturally. Can you? There is nothing like being wronged that brings out our old self. Right? In a moment, in a heartbeat, we get angry. We start judging. We start telling other people. We're justifying our resentment and our bitterness by staring at the offense through our own lens. But the mindset of our new life in Christ is to forgive any grievance just as the Lord forgave you, which Paul says will require love and compassion, kindness, gentleness, humility, and patience. And those don't come as easily, do they? But that is the challenge we find in Philippians 2, where it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then the passage goes on to describe Jesus humbly choosing the cross, the ultimate act of forgiveness. When it feels hard or downright impossible to genuinely forgive, we must remember our new life is in Christ. We can't forgive in our own strength. But because Christ lives in us, We can submit to his leading and allow him to move our hearts through the process that leads to joy. So before we dive into this, let's go to God and ask for exactly that help. Would you pray with me? Lord, we welcome you here. We remember and we acknowledge that you are present, that you are active, that you have plans for us this morning. Lord, with loving attention, you know what each person carried into this room with them. And I fully believe, Lord, that you've shown up today to release some of us from those burdens. Would you give us courage to turn towards that work? Would you give us the humility to say yes when you ask us to forgive? We love you, Lord. Thank you for going first. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we unpack the realities of biblical forgiveness and all the promises that wait on the other side of that decision, I feel like God has asked me to be very upfront with you. Christ's command to forgive isn't optional. I looked and looked and looked. I didn't find a single exemption or exception anywhere in the Bible. 
we must come face to face with the fact that forgiveness is about obedience, and Jesus has every right to ask this of us because he went first. So I'm going to ask you to brace yourselves because we're going to look at Jesus' masterful story of the two debtors in Matthew 18, and he doesn't pull any punches here. The story is of a man who's been forgiven a huge debt himself by the king and then goes out promptly and shows absolutely no mercy to another man who owed him a much smaller debt. I'll start in verse 31. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. You ready for the punchline? This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. If that doesn't make you uncomfortable, I think you weren't listening to me. But that's what Jesus says. God will not stand by as we withhold from others what he has freely and undeservedly given to us. That hardness of heart is an affront to our gracious God and the way that his kingdom operates here on earth. God's people, chosen and dearly loved, will respond to the one who's forgiven them by trusting him to lead them through the process of forgiving another. The option, it seems, is to allow Satan the pleasure of torturing us with unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, resentment, judgment, and division. It's not much of an option. What I know is that for even the smallest offense, the longer I hold unforgiveness, the heavier it gets, and the more sin it produces in my own heart. Let me give you an example from our staff Christmas party a couple years ago. I overheard someone at the craft table making fun of something that I made. It was a small and insignificant insult, but it hurt my feelings. And I wish I could tell you that I immediately took that sting to God and asked for his help to forgive them, but I didn't. First, I tried to blow it off. I know I'm not a crafter anyway. And then I went and told a friend so that we could both sit in judgment on their meanness. And the longer I left it lodged in my heart, the more it changed how I felt about that person, how I saw them. I even started realizing I was avoiding them in the hallways all from one silly comment. And then God got my attention. He said, Wendy, this isn't good for you. How many times have you made a joke that was more mean than funny? Or said something stupid you regretted as soon as it came out of your mouth? Extend some grace or go have the conversation, but you need to let this go. So I did. I chose to forgive and to confess my sinful reactions and to get back in sync with my Savior. I wonder if we realize how much the flow of the Holy Spirit through our lives is hindered by a bunch of little sins and unforgiven offenses that are piling up inside us unnoticed. If confession and forgiveness aren't regular rhythms in your spiritual life, I really want to suggest that you go out to our website, type in the search, Prayer of Examine, 
It's a way of praying that allows you to move through these cleansing conversations with Jesus on a daily basis. But I think it's also important to acknowledge there are some things we struggle to forgive that are not small and are not momentary. They can be devastating patterns of harm that have damaged us to the core. And to be able to talk about the power of forgiveness in those places, we first need to make sure we're all working off of the same biblical understanding of what forgiveness is and is not. Often when forgiveness feels impossible, it's because we've misunderstood what God is actually asking of us. In some cases, we truly are attempting the impossible, a version of forgiveness that God never intended. Understanding true forgiveness begins with a substantial mindset. You see, we often think of forgiveness as being between us and someone else. God never sees it that way. He understands that forgiveness will always be an exchange, an interaction, a process between us and him. I want you to picture yourself standing before God holding on to something, something painful, something irritating, frustrating, hurtful. And I want you to imagine that God asks you to give it to him. But you hold on tighter, fixing your eyes on the hurt and on the one who hurt you. And again, his voice, gentle and firm, says, look at me. Can I please have that? I died so I could take it from you. Please let go. He extends his hand, and the choice remains yours. Because right here, at the heart of forgiving others, we find the divine exchange. We give God all the hurt, all the anger, all the fear, all the confusion, all the bitterness, all the rage, and Jesus takes them, absorbing the consequences of their sin and our sinful reactions into himself on the cross. And in return, we get peace, floods of unexplainable peace, and understanding, insight, freedom, relief, the ability to turn from the past and move towards the future. If this is really between you and God, then all of that that I just mentioned is available to you no matter what the other person does or doesn't do. They don't have the power to keep you held in pain or anger. If they never own it, never admit it, never apologize, never even care, the divine exchange and all it promises is still available to you. Does that not sound like good news to somebody? The person who hurt you has no ability to keep you stuck there. Jesus has all the ability to get you unstuck and moving forward into good things you don't even know to ask for. But I want to give you three kind of practical ways or definitions of forgiveness that help us actually get into alignment with that understanding of forgiveness that's between us and him. The first one, forgiveness as God intended is to release a person from our judgment and into God's hands, to literally leave them for him to handle. And it isn't usually a once and done, can I say that? Right, it is the choice to leave them in God's hands, to release them from our judgment. And then as Jesus meets us in our hurt with his compassion and his empathy, 
we also begin to find the strength to stop holding a grudge and making them pay. And as our dialogue with God continues, we find that he's showing us things we couldn't see before, helping us understand things from his perspective. And that allows us to extend mercy when none is deserved. There is often a sense of how pleasing our mercy is to God the Father, how proud Jesus is when we imitate him and forgive. Now let's look at the flip side of what God says forgiveness is not, because these counterfeits keep us from experiencing the good that true forgiveness brings. I think of them as dead ends. You think you're going somewhere and suddenly, uh oh, <laughs> this leads nowhere, literally nowhere. The first one, God's command to forgive does not require us to forget or unwisely put ourselves back in harm's way. In fact, as part of the process, God often helps us set appropriate boundaries with the other person until their repentance and willingness to rebuild trust makes the deposits that make a, a new and restored relationship possible. <clears throat> Forgiveness also doesn't mean that we overlook or deny that harm was done. At times when I'm talking with someone about things from their childhood, they'll say something like, well, my parents did the best they could with what they had. And although that may be very true and we honor their effort, when there has been damage or a lack of things that little people need and that God intended for us, we must still acknowledge the hurt so that we can move through forgiveness into freedom. God is also not asking us to minimize or diminish the hurt. Sometimes, calling it forgiveness, we simply deny the hurt, and often it's because the person keeps doing it. They keep hurting us and keep hurting us, and we've told ourselves the lie that we have to put up with it in order to stay in the relationship. We've lost any hope for change, and so we end the process of forgiveness before it ever starts because we won't name the sin. It's also extremely important that we remember our God is a God of justice. And he will never, ever ask us to condone or excuse evil or wrongdoing. God, better than anyone, can see with great clarity right from wrong, and he isn't interested in relabeling things in your life or anyone else's. It is once we see sin for what it is that we're able to then move into the process of forgiveness. And this is where I'd like to return to the forgiving of big things, horrible hard things, things that take a while to forgive. Has anyone else noticed that forgiving in most cases is not an instantaneous and one-time thing? Anybody else notice that? It is a process. Real forgiveness has some steps to it. <laughs> and I think this is the second big mindset shift that we have to make if we're going to think about forgiveness and enter into forgiveness the way God intended. We have to first quit thinking about me and them and start thinking about me and him. And then we have to think about it in terms of a process of obedience in the same direction over some time and let him lead us through what that will look like. And what I found is that the deeper the hurt, the more layers of wounding have to be exposed, brought to God and healed, and that just takes time. And actually not because he's slow, but because I'm slow. 
It also means I have to choose over and over again between bitterness and forgiveness. Am I going to lay this thing down? Am I going to give this to Jesus and then take it right back? And back and back? Or am I going to leave it with him? Every time it stings, every time I remember, I'm going to choose to leave it with him. This slow, steady work of forgiving someone from my childhood who had hurt me deeply was the very process in which I experienced significant healing, incredible demonstrations of God's power and goodness, and a joy I had never known. Those years of working through forgiveness left me free to become more myself and closer to God. That's what I want you to know. That's what I got out of bed and put real pants on to come here and say. I want you to know that on the other side of forgiveness, there are things, good things, that God has for you that you can't even see coming. But they're waiting for you if you'll just obey your way through the process. I mean, God and I went back and forth the last couple days about how much of my own story to share, both because of the time that we have, but also out of respect for the other people involved. And in the end, it turns out I have no desire to rehash the past or even teach through the steps that my forgiving process included. But what I do feel God stirring in me is the desire to celebrate what he's done in my life. I wanna make sure that you know just how good the rewards are of all that deep forgiving work, should you choose to engage it. I can say with my whole heart that the season of about eight years where I worked through my deepest forgiving work has changed me and has absolutely been worth it. I want to give you three benefits of the deep forgiving work that I think show up in almost everyone's process. The first is one that I think no matter how angry we are, we a little bit can't help but hope for reconciliation and restoration. And I want you to know that was something I hoped for and I did receive, but not at all in the way I expected. If I'm honest, so far my relationship with the primary person that I was forgiving has not been restored. In fact, God has asked me to keep some very real boundaries in place until their repentance and change make them safer. But you know what? As I released that stuck person to God, I got unstuck. And not only did I get unstuck, some people around me got unstuck. And those relationships have become healthier and more enjoyable now that we've all kind of broken orbit from a set of roles and patterns and ways of relating that were all tied up in some dynamics that my forgiveness released. When we were watching that video of all the names that you guys laid down at the cross, all the things that aren't true and aren't real, and then saw them covered by the truth of who God says you are, do you know which one stuck out to me today? ambassadors of reconciliation. That's who we're called to be. That's who we have the chance to be if we would say yes to forgiving. The second thing comes from Ephesians 3.20, a verse I come back to over and over again in my life that says God will do more than you know how to ask him for, more than you could imagine. And that has certainly been true of my forgiveness journey. You see, when we're hurt as kids, it sets some things in motion that we don't even really see or understand or know about ourselves, but God does. As I forgave and began unpacking the damage of my early years, I discovered that for the first 30 years of my life, quite unbeknownst to me actually, my feelings had been offline 
tucked away, frozen, inaccessible to me. Anyone close to me today would tell you that this right here, this area of emotions, is where I have experienced the most noticeable healing, growth, and change. I am a different person because I've been learning how to feel my feelings and express them, and it has brought so much good into my life and deepened my relationship, again, in ways I didn't know to ask God for. I didn't even know that was broken in me when I started the journey of forgiveness. How good of him to bring me to things only he knew I needed. And the third thing is something we've probably all heard said before, right? You've heard a sermon or two on this in the past. Forgiveness leads to freedom. It's true. But I'm wondering, have you actually experienced that kind of joy for yourself? My moment came almost four years into the process. I remember the day I literally, standing in the kitchen of our condo, felt a shift in me. It's like all the change and the healing and the growth had finally accumulated and tipped the scales. And I knew with such certainty, you guys, that I was done living in reaction to the person who had hurt me. I was free to be myself and to live my life and even to explore the parts of me that were and weren't like her without fear, without self-hatred, without the junk in the way. And I can't really describe to you the joy that flooded in on me that day or the freedom I've been living in ever since, but I can absolutely tell you it was worth all of the hard work of forgiving. And I could spend hours sharing all the good that's come out of those years of forgiveness work, but I think Psalm 103 actually sums it up pretty well. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. He is the one who forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion, who satisfies my desire with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle's, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. I thought that's where the message would end today, but God's been pretty persistent about making one more connection between the forgiveness we receive from him and the forgiveness we extend to others. The story of the two debtors makes it clear that God will not forgive those who refuse to forgive others. But the truth hidden in Colossians 3.13 that I read earlier is just as important. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Sometimes we are unable to extend forgiveness until we truly experience and receive and accept God's forgiveness for ourselves. No matter how much Bible we read or how much church we attend or how many rules we follow, the thing that softens our hearts and allows us to forgive others is our own experiences of God's mercy and grace and loving forgiveness, washing away our screw-ups and failures. This is where a daily practice like the prayer of examine creates space in the midst of all of life's chaos to receive again from the Lord his absolute forgiveness, no strings attached, and then to forgive as we've been forgiven. 
This is what I meant earlier about only being able to forgive in God's strength. We have to lean into what it is like, what it has meant to be forgiven ourselves, to be able for that to flow on through us to others. If we hide from God's cleansing forgiveness, we will also resist his call to forgive others. For our divine exchange to begin, we must go to God and without excuses, admit we were wrong. It's truly humbling to realize that Jesus is the only one who has anything to offer in that exchange. We can't earn his forgiveness or make it up to him. Our only option is to just accept the forgiveness he freely offers. We cannot, we cannot do anything but receive. <laughs> and that's when we encounter the God of 1 John 1.9, who is faithful and just and will always forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And with love and compassion, he will speak truth that dissolves the false and sets a path before us to repair and redemption. Those moments of mercy are what we draw on to be able to show mercy to someone else. Please don't let the enemy interfere in your divine exchange by playing on your fears or your pride or your shame. God longs to set us free and that path leads through forgiveness. This is what his son died to make a reality. This is what we celebrated in the baptism tank this morning. This is what we are called to pass on to others for their good and our own. What an invitation. It's between you and him and nothing stands in the way of the good that he's looking to give you except your unwillingness to let it go. That's all that's in the way. So I'd like to open up some space as we close for us to first seek forgiveness if we need it, which will then open the way for us to forgive others. So will you pray with me? Lord, I believe that you are here in this room and sitting right next to every person on the other side of that screen. I believe that you see with great clarity any place in us that's gotten out of alignment with you and that is blocking our ability to receive from you. So Lord, I, I ask, would you speak to each one of us? Just put your finger on that area and invite us again to confess and receive your forgiveness. Whether it's small or huge, recent or old, God, give us the courage to just step before you, own it, and let it go. And as your mercy and your forgiveness flood into us and the reality that we are washed clean sets in, God, from that place, would you also lead us to anywhere where we are holding on tight to unforgiveness? Where, Lord, do we have unfinished business?
God, my prayer for this church family is that we would toe up to that line and we would look you square in the face and we would be brave and take the first step towards forgiving. Lord, you know exactly what it will take for us to get from here to the good you have in mind. I trust you to walk each person towards true, real, complete forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for what awaits each of us as we do. Thank you that there is some good we almost dare to hope for here, and there is other good you're going to surprise us with that we don't even know how to ask you for. We trust you in this, Lord. We know that you never ask us to do something that isn't good for us. So help us to walk in that faith, to move through this process, to obey you and forgive as we've been forgiven. It is in your mighty name, Jesus, that makes impossible things possible that we pray. Amen. Amen. So I know that is not a perky topic. That is not a good time but it is where the good lies on the other side of forgiveness. So I thank you for being patient with my weird little voice. I thank you for being with us today. Go with God, and as you do, remember, he is for you, and he has something for you in this. Be blessed. Have a great week.